Hi, everyone, and welcome to AB Conversation, where we will help you CFP your way out of it. A podcast where you get into the minds of a couple certified financial planners on how we think and feel about everyday financial planning questions and what should really matter most to you. A healthier financial life starts now. Hey, Ben. Welcome back to another episode of The Podcast. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's been a, we, we were just talking about this. It's been a little bit. We took a, a little hiatus after talking about investments a couple weeks ago. So love to get back <laughs> into financial planning here. Yeah, yeah, it, it it has been some time. And maybe for those listening at home, it it hasn't felt that way if they've seen you know a podcast or two come out in the meantime. But uh, yeah, it's been some time since we we got on here and had our little fun talking to whoever's on the other side of this. Yeah, and what's always to me the best content to share is like the real life conversations that we're having with clients. So mm-hmm. you know, the topic today: should I rent or buy my fund? Um, you know, certainly has come out of some recent conversations that we had, and to kind of tee that yeah. up, you know, for those of us that work with us or you know follow what financial planning and goal-oriented planning is supposed to be, it's common to have the big picture stuff in mind, like retirement or educating kids, but it's not uncommon you know, for things that are more lifestyle or, you know, Mm -hmm. this is what's important to us in life to pop into that conversation. You know, should we buy the second home, vacation home, this RV, this boat, whatever it is for them. Um, Yeah. And then it kind of puts us in that position of talking them through not only their own thought process, but the factors to consider. So, you know, what better podcast than to just openly share some of these conversations that we're having with clients. Yeah, and I think there's there's clearly two sides to that equation on, you know, should I rent, should I buy my fund, as as you put it, um, and part of that is, as you kind of alluded to, some of that is the the background or the research that the person has put into. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to buy this house because insert any number of reasons that that fit in there, but then that's also then kind of put up against. From our side of things, well, what are the potential trade-offs yeah. from, the, from the from the financial side, right? How would I pay for this property if it's a if it's a you know second property vacation home, whatever that is? Um, so I think it'll be interesting to kind of go through those different those different factors as you put them um, and kind of see again. I, so planning, we've talked about this ad nauseum. For us, yeah. a lot of it's just, it just comes down to trade-offs. So I think this is. This is another example of kind of where that comes into play. There's there's no right or wrong answer to any of this, which I guess is that gray area of planning. It really yeah. is situational. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be interesting to kind of go through it. Right, because I, I think it starts, the origins of this are probably in two different spaces. One, we've said this as well, we, we just kind of operate on this belief that money is just the tool to live a life you want to live, right? So while mm-hmm. long-term planning is really important, you know, getting an understanding of, oh, well, me and my family love going to the beach. You know, that's how we love to spend time together. So, you know, we'll use it. Why don't we buy something, right? There's mm-hmm. usually that lifestyle component of it. The second yeah. component of it is you're asking the question probably because you feel like you've got a little excess, right? We've got money that's right. set aside or invested in the bank. Um, you know, it, it's, it doesn't feel like it would be a stress to cash flow. Like, you're definitely in a more positive position in your planning um, yeah, yeah. than maybe some others to be, to even be asking those questions. So I think 
you know, when we start the conversation on their thought process, those are usually two of the things that, you know, kind of level set us. Yeah. So I'll add on to that because I think not only uh, that is absolutely the case, I think there's also the very human tendency to start to build the narrative as to why it's a good idea. <laughs> right. Sure. And I, I mean, I'm sure I do this. I know I do this. Right, I can convince myself that it's a good idea by, you know, rationalizing, okay, so we're going to buy a second property. It's expensive, but there's these platforms, I can rent it out, someone else, you know, I'll say someone else can essentially help me pay for this property. It's right. not just a complete, you know, cash flow drain, or I'm not having to, you know, liquidate all of my assets to make this happen. Uh, we'll, we'll rent it out, we'll get some of that recouped, and, you know, it, it'll, it'll work itself out. Uh, so that's certainly one factor or, or one of the pieces of the thought process, I think that we've experienced before too, that it's not, I'm not on the hook for a mortgage, or I don't have to, you know, sell a, a lump right. sum necessarily to now fund this. I'm going to pay for it along the way and have some other people who are going to rent it from me, you know, help, help me acquire this, this property for my family. The other side, oh, go ahead. No, please. I was going to say the, the other, the other side of that is sometimes the thought process is, well, I've, I've been renting a place, you know, in this location for many years, family has gone there, you know, use your scenario yep. going to the beach. So yep. if we're going to continue to do that, why am I continuing to throw money away and buying someone else's property for them? Right. Why don't I just do that for myself? And over a long period of time that may be able to make more economical sense, right? Because now I'm paying for something, but I'm going to have an asset at the end of the day too. Yeah, so I'm really glad you started there because as we transition, I'll say, let's just transition into, okay, what are the factors then that we are going to want to help them consider? Mm -hmm. this, is a, this is a good depiction of how we feel about our role in somebody's financial plan. Like when they come to us and it's long-term retirement, you know, maybe we need to be a thought leader with that. Hey, mm -hmm. here are the things that we know you need to do to get there. This yeah. is one of these situations where I feel like we're a thought partner right? Where they're, mm -hmm. they're already doing some of the thinking, like you said, they may be justifying or mental accounting or crunching some numbers. And they're usually coming to us going, what do you, but what do you think? Like, what am I missing? Or what do I need mm -hmm. to consider? What am I not considering? So yes. that's kind of the mindset I have going into, okay, well, then let's flip the, let's flip the conversation a little bit here to our side of it. Um, and I'll maybe let you start. Like, what, what are those financial factors that may weigh, weigh into us saying, yeah, renting seems like it's still a good idea or mm -hmm. go ahead, you know, bu buying it seems to be the better idea. Yeah, I think it, it's, it certainly depends on, I'll say the size of the asset, like what, it, what does it actually cost to purchase whatever that is? You know, you threw out the idea of a vacation home or, you know, a cabin, we've heard that before, buying an RV and, and traveling the country. It could be something as, I don't want to say as, as simple as a boat, because I've heard, you know, the, the horror <laughs> stories of, of boat ownership, you know, the, the joke, the, the best and, and worst day of, you know, a boat owner's life is the day you acquire it and the day you sell it. Um, but, you know, a boat, it's not necessarily as big of a purchase as, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in a vacation home, but it can still be a, a large chunk of money um, sure. to, to, to outlay up front. So I think that's, that's number one is what does it cost? Where is that, and where is that money going to come from? Um, obviously, if if the cash flow is there to support it, then it's just a decision of am I okay, maybe diverting from savings or pulling from you know cash reserve that I already have, and kind of buying it outright. 
or I think a lot of times where where we see it, it's I have these investments yeah. that I could tap into to help me buy this, but does that make sense? And then you can go through the laundry list of all the different variables involved, right? Depending where it's invested, are there going to be tax consequences to pulling that out? What are the longer term impacts just from a from a growth standpoint, right? It's it's our analogy of the the goose that's laying your golden eggs. Right. So if you, I'll say, sell some of your investments to now buy this asset that more often than not is going to be an illiquid asset, right? It's not necessarily producing income and it's not something you could quickly turn around, you know, within a couple of days and get your cash back. Um, what, what future growth might you be giving up right. on your investments to now acquire this property? And again, that's where there's, there's no right or wrong answer. It's really situational. And then what is, what is that trade-off? Are, if by acquiring whatever that piece of property is, or whatever that asset is, is that in their minds worth giving up what that investment may continue to grow to and what flexibility that may provide yeah, further in that, the future too? Yeah, I think that's really well said. And to get just a little bit more granular, that may be a situation where if you have investments that aren't in a retirement account, you know, the may, maybe the taxability of that is is not a deterrent or not something you need to really add to the acquisition cost. But more often than not, we see people really developing their wealth in retirement accounts. Yeah. Right. So if you're having to pull from a retirement account, then, you know, your acquisition cost, if you're going to buy it and not have loans or, you know, not play that game, that yeah. acquisition cost may be much higher if you're paying ordinary income taxes on making that withdrawal. Yeah, just run the scenario where someone's going to buy, I'll say, a modest vacation home. Say it's a few hundred thousand dollars, right? $400,000 for a beach property is probably a heck of a deal a lot of places. But if you're essentially pulling that all from a retirement account, as you put it, if it's an IRA or a 401k, and you were going to pull out $400,000, that's now all taxable, to your point, at ordinary income tax rates in that given year. That's going to yeah, put you in a, in, yeah, that's going to put you in a decent 30. tax bracket. You got yeah, it. Yeah, where the IRS is going to going to get their get their share of that too. So yeah, that's that's definitely a huge one on the front end. Um, you know, kind of of how it's going to be financed, and one of those other options too that we've discussed. I think it's it's a similar question to should I pay off my mortgage or not, or if I'm buying a new car, should I lease it or should I just buy it outright? Right, the whole thought process um, of taking out a loan, there's going to be interest owed on that. And I think for a lot of people, just debt is not a thing that people enjoy. <laughs> Paying interest to a bank is not high on people's list of things they like to do in life. But sometimes that may, depending on the environment, that may be more beneficial in the short term than I'll say, go back to our analogy of the goose and the golden eggs, you know, than killing some geese that may lay those eggs in the future, you now will forgo some of those future eggs if you end up, you know, I'll say, you know, killing some of those geese to acquire whatever that piece of property is. Yeah. And one of our, one of our core principles and planning is to have flexibility, right? And that's mm -hmm. where maybe having investable assets that aren't in a retirement account, we really appreciate that as people move into retirement, because now you can control your tax bracket a little bit, maybe not having to pull from retirement accounts. You know, mm -hmm. if there is a, a big event or a health event or something that is going to take a little bit more cash flow, you've got some flexibility there. Um, so it is going to be totally situational. There is, this isn't a black and white, 
always rent or always buy. Uh, right. But yeah, I'm really glad when you when you brought up, you know, the golden goose laying the golden eggs analogy that you include taxes in that and flexibility and accessibility to other accounts. Yeah. So what? Uh, yeah. What else? What else is there besides? I'll say the upfront cost. Um, I, I think it's probably human nature to, you know, if this is something you want to do to maybe not think about all the dominoes that occur. And this is where, if you're going to do something big, don't just talk to us, talk to somebody else that's done it. I haven't bought a vacation yeah. home, um, yeah. but carrying costs come to mind to me. You know, sometimes we just focus on what is it going to cost to buy this and not the ongoing expenses. If it's a house, then it's maybe furniture, it's maintenance, it's utilities, right? It's oh my goodness, yeah. insurance, yeah. HOA fees. Um, there's just a com there's a component to what is this now going to cost me moving forward that maybe you're ignoring on the front end. So at least having that conversation or starting to think about that, I would say is a really important variable in your decision yeah. here. Because yeah. clearly if you're renting something, that's not on you. Right. More often than not, yeah, if you're renting, it's, it's, a, it's a known quantity, right? You, if you're going to rent it for the week or rent it for the month or whatever that time period is, you kind of know what your cost is going into that. There shouldn't be any surprises. Um, I want to throw this out there and I'm not sure. So it's more in the vein of like the vacation home idea, but I've heard all the, the headlines and I've heard some of the horror stories coming out of Florida, right? If, if someone's buying a vacation home and they want it coast on the coast right on the beach insurance being a huge component to that that's somewhat out of your control you know again going back to florida right now i've, I've heard the stories of certain insurers pulling out of right. the homeowner insurance we'll do it. in in florida because of the risks associated in florida hurricanes but i'm assuming that's that's not necessarily just um specific to florida i'm guessing there will be some of that expanding to other areas of of the u.s when you're on in on a coastline there's just more potential um you know for weather related issues and the idea of what you're if you're purchasing a, a property and you kind of know what your insurance is at that time that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to continue to be that way for forever um just another thing to kind of factor in have buffers built in that's, I mean, we, we like to do that from a planning perspective, regardless of the situation, you know, build in some yeah. wiggle room to, to the budget side of things, knowing that there's always going to be something that pops up. Well, and there's the human side of it too. I think if you were going to own a second property, now I realize that we seem to be now yeah. focused on like <laughs> the cabin or the beach house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like we've said it before. You almost have to have a certain, uh, personality or preference for that because not everyone's going to want as the owner to get that phone call at midnight because something's not working it's not just the you know tragic weather event that you're talking yeah, about yeah 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 um, you either got to be able to handle that stuff maybe you're into maintenance or you got to pay a company to do that um so it's just it, they, that it all can fall under that the dominoes of any one decision what are those smaller things that could add up to you uh to make it less attractive or, you know, Hey, this isn't a big deal. If again, it's something you enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. The other, so maybe this is going back to one of the earlier thoughts, like from, from the client side of things. Um, if you haven't already, it's probably a, a good idea. I'll say to test drive, whatever that mm. thing is, right. If it's, if it's a boat, 
Um, if you're going on vacation for a week or two, you can rent a boat for a period of time. And again, test, test drive said boat and get an idea of what that may feel like. Is it something that you, you kind of scratch that itch once, once or twice over the course of the year? And then at that point, maybe it just makes sense to just rent it as you need it rather than now it's, now it's your asset, you're, you're in charge of it, you're responsible for it and everything that comes along with that. Same thing with, with the house idea. Right. If if we've heard many times that um, the the snowbird lifestyle, right? I'm going to go down to Florida and I'm going to stay there for a couple of months. There's still those long-term rentals to kind of test it out before you were to commit to anything. If it feels like you're kind of on the fence, so it's okay to kind of test things out um, and and rent them. And as you say that, Adam, like one of the things that's now popping into my head. I think if we're going to get this question from a client and they've, they've kind of said, hey, I've done some research, I think this makes financial sense. As long as we're like helping them make sure they're not doing something really foolish, mm -hmm. you don't have to maximize your financial situation here. If it would cost you a little bit more to do those rental things, but you're going to have way less headaches or potential things <laughs> that could go wrong then yeah. that's okay. Like it's okay to do something out of a little bit of abundance, mm -hmm. even, if it's, even if it's not on paper or mathematically or with our fancy calculators, right? The, the most advantageous financial decision. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? I think Does that's it a really, point. You know, and I feel like, I don't know this to be true, but I feel like the accessibility to things, like you said, toy rentals on vacation or, you know, Airbnb, Verbos. Um, yeah. Is that how you say it, Verbo? Verbo, sure yes, right. I, I think so. Um, I think so. <laughs> it's, it's a little bit easier to do these days if, if you really just don't want the headaches. Yeah, yeah, I, that's absolutely true. So are there any other, any other factors that we would consider from, from our side of things? I think I already said it. You know, just it's important for us to at least try to think down the road a little bit. And there is very much a difference when flexibility with liquid versus mm. illiquid assets. Yeah. Um, I think, and weigh in on this, we certainly have seen some situations recently where having that second property may have been a good thing, but at some point within the estate plan, it, it didn't end up being a good thing, right? Because yeah. if you've got multiple kids, maybe it makes things a little bit more complicated to split on the back end or you know, yeah. own a, a property in a different state meant you had to settle things a little bit differently. So it is yeah. important to kind of think about what the exit plan is um, or the succession plan from that matter. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I'm, I'm laughing because I'm, I'm thinking in my head, it's, it's like the last thing somebody wants to do when they're thinking about doing something exciting of, I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy this thing that's gonna be fun. Let me think about when I'm not here and what's gonna happen, what's gonna happen to this fun thing that I'm purchasing. But that's part of our role, as you said, right? It's let's get get beyond the immediate and let's think long-term. What are those other ramifications? Um, and yes, when it comes to illiquid property at someone's passing, and as you noted, if there are multiple kids involved and we've, we've helped people through this enough times, it's rare that everybody's going to be on the same page at the same time with something like that. And even if they are, that's all well and good. It just adds another layer of potential complexity to that process, you know, at, at the end of life. Um, or, so or, yeah. It, 
on the front end too. I mean, we didn't position it this way, but okay. So everybody is on board. Does it make sense yeah. for the ownership of that property to not be the individual then, but some yeah. sort of LLC or right. some sort of family partnership, right? right? Where it does make things on the back end a little bit easier. That's it's a good conversation to have depending on the size yeah. of the purchase. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's that's a great point. So. Yeah, no shortage of factors and didn't mean to make this like a super heavy conversation there at the end. But, yeah. you know, if you want us to be a thought partner, that's what we're going to be. Absolutely. Happy to do it. All right. So should I rent or buy my fund? The answer is always maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but let's have that conversation. Absolutely. All right. As always, thanks for your uh, expertise in the matter. Hey everyone, Adam and I really appreciate you tuning in. Please note that the opinions we voiced in the show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be most appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, your accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to making any decisions or investing. Thanks for listening.